Uh, so, you know, I, I kind of sensed as we were all coming in, a lot of us coming in probably feeling the, uh, the weariness of the crazy weekend or there's, you know, a lot of activities, some of us having travel, different plans and different things like that. I don't know how you find yourself coming in here today, but I trust that it was a, a good weekend for you. Before I share just a specific thing that I'm thankful for uh, that I would like to do, uh, I, I will tell you uh, there's a couple things. I always hear these stories on Thanksgiving weekend uh, that just kind of make me chuckle, and some of them make me wonder. I go, like, is that, is that true? Does that really happen? Like, like, how many of you think it's a true thing that, like, frozen turkeys explode when you put them in, in uh, Greece and stuff like that? Yeah, people are like, no, 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 I've been there, done that, maybe. Uh, some of you maybe think it's a myth. So I did a little, a little looking into that, and so it's actually um, primarily an issue. They don't exactly explode, but it's an issue of, like, density, because you have all this water that's in the frozen turkey, and then the heat draws out the water, and water sinks when it's in oil, so the water that doesn't get kind of boiled off right away goes to the bottom, but the water doesn't stay in the liquid state because it's in the super hot. This is a fun, uh, fun science experiment, by the way. You know, some of you might be thinking, we could actually do this. Uh, those don't do it, like, in your back porch or whatever. Uh, and and the, the water turns into steam, and, and then it takes up 1,700 times the volume that the water did. So that's actually why they think it explodes, because it, it blows all of this oil out, and if that hits your, your uh, heating source, all of that catches on fire, and you have a big mess that looks kind of like this, and that's what we want you to avoid. And some of you are maybe thinking, like, well, then why didn't you say that last Sunday uh, before we all went about... Uh, our Thanksgiving festivities. I am going to say one other thing. First of all, have any, have any of you ever successfully deep fried a, a turkey? Uh, for Yeah, that's between you and your cardiologist, whether or not that's a good idea uh, to do. But we want you to do it safely, uh, if at all possible. I heard another story, though, uh, this weekend that just kind of made me kind of scratch my head, and it raised some questions in my mind. The story went like this. There's a daughter uh, and a mom. They're together, and they said, we're going to do Thanksgiving. It's going to be this beautiful thing. So they roast this turkey together. They take the turkey out, uh, and a little while later, after things start to cool, they, they carve the turkey, and they said, as they are carving the turkey, a black tail like flops out of like the open part. And I stopped at that point. I was like, <gasps> they like turduckened the cat. Like, they, they cooked the cat. They didn't cook the cat. The cat actually went in there after they had taken the turkey out of the oven and, like, stuffed itself in. I don't know why. Like, what's wrong with this cat? But, but it did. They, they, they rescued the cat. They got it. I got stuck. And they, they got it out, and they cleaned it up, and the cat was actually okay. Lived to tell the tale. One of its nine lives. I don't know. Uh, but it actually got out. Okay. The three questions that come to my mind when I heard that story, and I do not know the answer to this, is number one, would you tell? Now, the first question is actually, would you still serve the turkey? Like, like, I don't, like, how many of you would still serve that turkey? You would say, hey, look, we made this thing. It's what we got. Okay, some of you would. Okay, the second question is sort of like, would you tell? And then the third question is, if, if somebody told you that, would you eat it? How many of you would say, yeah, go, I would just go for it? Okay, well, that's fine. I, I would just say, just give me a drumstick. You know what I mean? That, that would feel maybe okay to do. Those are sort of weird stories or whatever. Anyway, all of that to say, happy Thanksgiving. Um, Philippians 1, 4 to 6 says, in all my prayers for all of you, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. That was Paul's attitude toward the Philippian church. And, and, I, and I pray with thanksgiving. We, we pray with thanksgiving for each of you. And he goes on to say, not just because of your partnership of the gospel from the first day until now, but he said, because I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work is going to be faithful to complete it. 
And so we give glory to the Lord for the good work that he has begun, the good, good, good work he is completing, the good work that he will complete in you and through you. And in this Thanksgiving season, among many things that we thank the Lord for, we do. Thank the Lord for our church family and the way that God is, is using us to grow together and to sharpen each other in the many ways in which uh, God is doing his work through us. Um, Advent season is upon us. I don't know about you. How many of you are like, is it shocking that this is like the last Sunday in November? It's like, whoa, how did we get here? But this is where we are, which means that Advent season is beginning this coming week. Just to give you a little heads up, we have set up a special web page on our website. It's just uh, scalliancechurch.com forward slash Christmas. And if you go there, uh, you will get kind of all things Christmas. The Advent season that we're doing, the theme that we're doing, Hanging the Green's coming up next week, Christmas Eve services, all that stuff is compiled there and our staff has done a nice job in putting all of that together. So I just wanted to mention that to you uh, so that you can stay uh, aware of sort of special service times and things like that. We do have a, a new sort of Advent series that we're gonna start this coming week. We're calling it Prayers of Advent. And that's been just a theme that God has really been unpacking for us all throughout this year. That's been an exercise in growing in this area of prayer, we thought it would be appropriate to finish the year with a sermon series called Prayers of Advent that our pastoral team will be uh, bringing to you. And so all of that information is more at scalliancechurch.com forward slash Christmas. Take a look at that this week to make sure that you're up to speed on various things. If you have your Bible, 1 Samuel 16 is where we're going to go today. I was originally going to take us all the way into 2 Samuel, into a couple parts, but I kind of sensed the Holy Spirit say, just kind of reel it back. We're just going to stay in 1 Samuel 16 today. We began this part of our series, which is called Bible Heroes, with the dedication of Samuel uh, and introduced this phrase that is found actually all throughout Scripture, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so that theme has kind of been woven through the lives of the primary characters in 1st and 2nd Samuel, which is Samuel, Saul, and David. Uh, R.T. Kendall, actually, in his book, The Anointing, uh, I got to sit under some of his teaching, Amy and I did, and so I quoted him last week, but he introduced, we introduced to you last week this kind of grid that comes from R.T. Kendall's teaching where he talks about yesterday's leader, today's leader, tomorrow's leader. He says tomorrow's man or woman doesn't, I'm just using the phrase yesterday's leader, today's leader, tomorrow's leader. And we're going to actually see that in really clear focus today. Yesterday's leader is Saul who has lost favor with God even though he once had a genuine anointing to lead. And this is cautionary. This is important for us because none of us want to be yesterday's leader. That's the one thing you don't want to be. It's okay to be tomorrow's leader, which means you haven't yet come into your full anointing. You're still in that season of preparation for what God has for you. It's okay to be today's leader that right now you're walking, not perfectly, but you're walking and keeping in step and abiding with the Holy Spirit as he leads you forward. It's okay to be both of those things. You don't want to be yesterday's leader. Samuel is today's leader. He's faithfully walking out the anointing. He's the calling that God has placed on him. And listen, pay attention to this, as many of you are leaders. Oftentimes, today's leader, the calling is to raise up and to bring anointing and blessing to tomorrow's leaders and not to be afraid of what God is doing in the next generation, but to bless and empower that which God is gonna do. David is tomorrow's leader. He's not yet come into the full strength of his anointing, but he has entered into a season of preparation. And many of you are in that place. I'm gonna talk about this later on. 
that the, this has almost nothing to do with age. So you can be yesterday's leader and actually still be quite young. You can be tomorrow's leader and still be quite old. I talked to people after the first service who said, you know, I'm coming into a new season of life and ministry, thinking about retirement, thinking about different things. And so I'm not young, but I believe I have a tomorrow's anointing uh, leader, tomorrow's leader anointing on my life. And so process all of this together as we think about it. Today we're going to build on this framework, yesterday, today, and tomorrow's leader uh, in the reading of 1 Samuel 16, and in fact, the reason I sort of pulled it back to just this chapter is that you see this theme carry all the way through uh, to First and Second Samuel and beyond, and so we're just going to focus on it here in 1 Samuel 16. Uh, read a little bit, and we'll pause, read a little bit more and pause, so keep your fingers, uh, your, your Bibles open there to 1 Samuel 16, uh, which begins this way. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel. That was the point of last week's message as uh, Saul is becoming yesterday's leader. God's anointing is removed. His favor is removed. He's been rejected. You don't want to be there, but read, go back and listen to last week's message if you want to understand what that was all about. So God says to Samuel, fill your horn with oil. Be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, verse 2, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Now, I want you just to take a mental note. I want you to underline if you're taking notes. Just, to, just focus on that for a moment. Here is Samuel, who is the leader, today's leader, following God's in, God in obedience. And yet, he says to God, if I go and do this thing, uh, yesterday's leader is going to try to kill me. So just be, be mindful of that. Very important for us. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. May God have blessing to the leader of his word. Keep your fingers there. We're going to continue on in this chapter, but let's pause there for a moment uh, and set up sort of what we're going to do. Today it's got a very simple message a uh, very simple grid. We're going to look at what are the lessons for yesterday's leader, what are the lessons for today's leader, what are the lessons for tomorrow's leader that we see now coming out of 1 Samuel 16. And I think there is something for you here. Regardless of where you find yourself today as you come into this message whether you're kind of feeling the Thanksgiving hangover, hopefully not too literally, but just kind of, you know, you've been running, you've been doing all this kind of stuff, and, and now you're kind of here, and you're sort of like, okay, what's God have for me here today in that state? Maybe you're coming in and you're excited about the, the work that God's doing and the things that God is unpacking. You're, you're getting a sense of calling in your life. You're starting to even dream about what it is that God has for you, and you're nurturing that sort of tomorrow's leader anointing. I think that for every person, there is some here today. So we're going to look at these three lessons. The first is a lesson for yesterday's leader. And I'm going to give you the bottom line, and I want to be hopeful with this, because in Saul's case, this is, a, this is an instructive thing for us. We should take a, a bit of caution from Saul's life, because he remained yesterday's leader all the way until he died. He was outside of the anointing of God. He lost favor with God. He lost favor with others. He lost the kingdom that had been entrusted to him. And the ministry that he was anointed to lead, he no longer had. The question is, if you're yesterday's leader, do you have to stay there forever? 
And I would argue to you today the answer to that is no. That Saul was actually one good repentance away from stepping back into being today's leader. But he remained yesterday's leader for all of his life until he died. So what is the lesson? The bottom line of the, of the, of the lesson is this. It, it's, a, it's a lesson of repentance. We said this last week, where did Saul go wrong in becoming yesterday's leader, uh, specifically meaning that he, has, he, had, he still had position, but he had lost the favor and the anointing of God. How did that happen? We looked at this slide last week, and I just want to review just a couple things because I actually added to it a little bit. Last week we said this, that he never mastered the enemy of fear. We see this kind of woven all throughout his story. He did not honor the limits of his anointing, and that's specifically that he was stepping outside of his kingly duty and saying, I'll make the, the priestly offering, and Samuel said, you've done a foolish thing. And we talked last week about the limits, and, and that's part of good leadership and not trying to offer something that we don't have. That's, what we, that's how we burn ourselves out. When we embrace the limits of our leadership that we have been given a measure of the grace of God. Not all of them. You've been given gifts as the Holy Spirit has determined, but not all of them. So you are not the Messiah. You are not Jesus. You are limits, there are limits to your anointing and leadership. When we embrace that, we get that right. Now, just as a little sidebar, I do want to mention this. Uh, how many of you have heard of the Peter Principle? Okay, many of you have, and especially in business. Uh, uh, Jim Collins wrote about this in his book, Good to Great. Uh, the, the Peter principle actually comes from Lawrence Peter, who was a Canadian educator, and he made this observation that he said that in any hierarchy, it seems that people are promoted to the level of their incompetence. It's basically what it is, and you've probably seen that. Somebody that you're working with, and you're like, how did you get in this job? Like, why are you doing like, You don't seem to know what you're doing, and yet you're here doing this. And what probably happened often, according to the Peter principle, is that that person did well here, and so they get moved up the ladder, and they did well here, they get, and they keep getting moved up the ladder until the, they get to the point that they're actually not super good at that job. So it's being promoted to the level of your incompetence, and it's actually something we need to be aware of, certainly any of us who are leaders. R.T. Kendall says this, the Holy Spirit will never elevate you to the level of your incompetence. Now, the reason that that's vitally important, and, and again, this idea, you're gonna hear this sort of thematically today, the reason that we must cultivate the ability to listen to the voice and the leading of the Spirit is that you will likely encounter opportunities as a leader that you should say no to. And you will inadvertently promote yourself to the level of your incompetence if you simply walk through doors because they're open. We're going to talk a little bit about the sensitivity of that for a moment. But yesterday's leader uh, did not honor the limits of his anointing. Uh, Saul also made excuses when he was confronted with his sin. I added this one, uh, number four here for you this week. We didn't talk about it last week. That Saul was jealous of another's success or anointing. That's, that is the story of yesterday's leader, that he's no longer focused on what God has called him to do, but he's looking at somebody else and saying he's jealous of David's success. He's jealous and threatened by David's anointing. In fact, he becomes more threatened by David's success than the real enemy of the nation. 
And think about all the time and the energy and the, the wasted kind of expenditure of, of this insecure yesterday's leader who is threatened by somebody else who's coming up. So when you find yourself and in your heart like jealousy is a real thing, that's an important indicator that something is wrong. All of these are. And finally, he was more concerned with the kingdom than the king. This was the difference, though he and David, when you contrast their, and compare their lives, both had sins before the Lord. They both failed, and again, we're proving our point that our Bible Heroes series is, in fact, a misnomer. There are no real heroes in this story except for God, and there are plenty of flawed people. But when David's flaws are found out, he prayed Psalm 51, which we just read a few moments ago, against you and you only have I sinned. And when Saul was called on the carpet for the things, he made excuses and he was concerned that he was going to lose his kingdom. David says it's not about the kingdom. This is about the heart of God. So this is sort of how he became yesterday's leader. What is the bottom line or the lesson that we can learn? Ultimately, that Saul's greatest need was for repentance. Now, let me just underscore it with what I asked you to look at a few moments ago. Not only has he lost fellowship and favor with God, but he is not trusted by today's leader, Samuel. So when God says to Samuel, I want you to anoint the, ne the next king, uh, don't mourn for Saul anymore. It's time we're moving on. We, we, that, that ship has sailed. It's now time to anoint the new king that I have chosen. God is saying this to Samuel. Samuel's hearing it clearly, but he says, I got a problem. If I go and set out to do that, Saul is going to kill me. Now, just let that sink in for a second because that shows the level of honest difficulty that Saul has found himself in. The greatest opposition to the next move of God is yesterday's leader. Do you hear it? Does it sit in your spirit? I mean, is there anything that makes you go, I don't want to be that? You're right. You don't want to be that. To be the opposition to the next move of God. Is it any wonder that God says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you find yourself, you're not sure where you're landing, but you find yourself in opposition to the next work of God, you can be pretty sure that there is some repentance that is needed. So Saul is, is uh, doing what he's doing. Samuel is being honest and saying, I'm not quite sure what to do. God says, well, just invite him to a sacrifice, and then I'm going to invite his whole family, and then I'll show you the one who is to be king. Now let's take this, uh, these uh, scriptures just a little bit farther. In verse 6, it says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. And listen to this, so important. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Samuel has made the trip, he's found Jesse and his family, and this is, we're gonna get into our second point here, which is, what is the lesson for today's leader? And this is vitally important, just as important as the lesson for yesterday's leader. The bottom line that I would say the lesson that we see in Samuel is this, that today's leader must learn again and again the importance of abiding. If you're taking notes, write that down. Many of you are leaders in this room. Learn to abide 
in the source and the presence. Jesus actually said this in John 15, 5, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Now, again, understand the scenario here. Samus says, okay, I'm gonna go do this thing. I'm gonna anoint one of Jesse's sons. And he gets up there. He sees the first one in front of him and he goes, this has gotta be him. This is him. I mean, look at the guy. He's got all, he looks kingly. He just looks right, right? And God says no. Now here's a critical piece that we have to understand when we look at this. Why is this important? Today's leader, Samuel, was able to understand that his first impression was actually wrong. Many of you have been in a place, I'm sure I've been in the place, many of you have known leaders who have been in a place where they would say, if I thought it, it must be right. And we're not going back. This is what we said we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. I love that we have this example. Samuel takes one look at Eliab. He said he looks like a king. He thinks he's got to be the one. But in humility, he is corrected. And by God, he is instructed. This is so critical for today's leader because it shows us something that we've got to, we talk about keeping short accounts with God. You look at this, somebody said, look, that wasn't that big of a deal. Was it not? Think about it. Was that a big deal? He appoints the wrong king? Yeah, that would be a big deal. Here's David. He's a man after God's own heart. He's going to be the, the next one. He's going to be in the lineage that will lead us to Christ. And Samuel's got to get this right. He's got to hear right. So he, in his own mind, he makes a decision. He says, oh, this has got to be the one. I misspoke last week because I said Samuel probably rolled his eyes when they said, oh, you know, the, the first son of Jesse is so handsome and everything like that. And, and he would have known because Saul was of good stature. He was tall and good looking. He would have known that that was right. It was Samuel who made the mistake. I misspoke when I said that last week. I read it this way. I was like, wait a minute. He's the one who said it. But he heard from the Lord. He was corrected. He was instructed. He kept short accounts. It was a big deal. And here's the thing for you. Today's leader, let me speak to your heart for a second. There is a really important lesson, and I'm working on this. Because I want to be today's leader. I want to be yesterday's leader. Okay? The lesson goes like this. Don't wait until the bottom falls out to get back in step with God. That is a sure way to mute your ability to hear his voice well. Today's leader keeps current, and I, I have to be honest with you, I have not always done this very well. I haven't. There's been times in my life that I'm, I'm much more inclined to hide, to operate out of a shame mentality. You know, when Adam and Eve, they hear the voice of the Lord and they, they run off, he says, where are you? It's not because he doesn't know, right? It's because he wants them to be reoriented to him. So there have been phases of my life. There's times that I've been thinking about and confessing and doing some, some dealing with the Lord because I don't want to be yesterday's leader, you know? I want to keep current, even in what would, we would say the, are the little things. So here's the key question for you, today's leader. When was the last time you even asked him to look at your own heart? And we actually gave you a gift about 20 minutes ago. We prayed Psalm 51. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Make that a part of your journey 
I was remembering, uh, there was a guy that co- coached me, and I, I, loved, I loved spending time with him. Uh, he just, his name was Dick Savage. He was a fun guy. He always brought the joy of the Lord into our conversations and stuff. And he was older than me, and so he had a lot of wisdom, and, and uh, we would talk about life and talk about different things, making decisions or whatever. And one of the things that he said to me that I, that I remember very distinctly, he said, Aaron, I want you to be very, very clear on this point. We do not get more flexible in any way with age. And I've made the observation with you before, you know, you look at little babies, they suck on their toes. I mean, they are, the, they are the description of flexibility. The older you get, the less flexible you become. So it actually requires energy for you to stay fresh and flexible. It takes awareness for today's leader to say, I don't want to get stuck in the rut of not doing business with God. We don't naturally become more flexible. We need supernatural help to flow in the spirit. But one of the markers of today's leader is that I'm abiding. I'm staying close. The way this continues on, uh, Jesse calls the next son, has him pass in front of Samuel. Samuel goes, nope, not that one. The next son is named Shammah. He passes by. Samuel goes, no, the Lord has not chosen this one. And Jesse has all of the seven sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel says to him, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Now, I, wanna, I want you to just, again, get, you need to listen to this in real time. Okay, there's a lot of scriptures you can run through and you know the story. Yeah, there's a shepherd boy. He's gonna be the king. And they go, just forget about that for a second. Just read it in real time. Here is the prophet who has come. He has come to make this appointment. God has called him to do this thing. Um, and he's, he, he looks at the sons and he says, no, not that one. Okay, next one, not that one. I don't know about you. I would be getting nervous. When you get to five and you're like, Lord, is it? Okay, not that one either. Get to the sixth one, not that. And then he literally has to say to Jesse, is there anyone else? Look at verse 11. He asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? And Jesse says, well, they're still the youngest. He's tending the sheep. Samuel says, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. It's like Samuel sort of knows we got to kind of stand at attention here. And then it says in verse 12, the Lord said, rise and anoint him for he is the one. So Samuel takes the horn of oil and he anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. Samuel then went to Rama. Now listen to this. Samuel did not simply pick the best option in front of him, but he had the humility to say, is there someone else? Because God has not given me the green light on any of these. If you read that in real time, it actually takes great humility. Today's leader will actually be humble. Now think about this as well. There's a relational dynamic here at play because if God could tell Samuel to go to Jesse and to anoint a son that is revealed, he could just as easily have given him the name and the birth order. I mean, he, he, I mean if he's talking to Samuel already, these are some of these questions I would probably ask if I was a prophet. Why don't you just tell me who it is? You know what I mean? Just tell me on the front end. Hey, Jesse, you know, the, I need to talk to David. He's probably out in the field and not here. He's your youngest. He's gonna be the king. Let's get him in here. You know what I'm saying? God could have told him all of that. But Samuel is walking in relational dynamic with the God that he is serving. He is following as he is called to obey. The lesson for today's leader is that we abide. The last one is this. It may be the hardest, but we'll spend the remainder of our time here. 
few more minutes, a lesson for tomorrow's leader. And the bottom line may be a little surprising, and it may not. The lesson that we see from David's life doesn't make me want to be tomorrow's leader, but it is a part of the journey. And the bottom line is the lesson of brokenness. Tomorrow's leader must learn patience, must learn humility, must learn repentance just like all the others, must learn abiding just like today's leader, but there is an element of brokenness. I want to give you one other recommendation today. Gene Edwards uh, wrote a book called A Tale of Three Kings. How many of you have read that book? Anybody read that book? It's a little bit obscure. I never really heard about it, and somebody recommended it to me. I've listened, I've read it or listened to it multiple times uh, now, and it's really, really wonderful if you want to understand the journey that David in particular went through. Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. And here's a quote. He says, Then do you find it strange that this remarkable event, and he's talking about the anointing of David as king by Samuel, led the young man not to the throne, but to a decade of hellish agony and suffering. For on that day, David was enrolled not into the lineage of royalty, but into the school of brokenness. I want to take just a few moments as we think about this last lesson for tomorrow's leader in the school of brokenness. There's two dangers in leadership that we see as we study for Samuel. The older leader who is threatened by the next generation and becomes yesterday's man or woman, yesterday's leader who actually is now in opposition to the work of God. Here's the thing that's a little bit ironic in the whole deal. God actually still used Saul. He used him in spite of himself to bring the lesson of pain to tomorrow's leader. That's what he did. Because God's plans ultimately will prevail. That's, that's one of the dangers we see, and we've talked about that, I think, enough. The second one is this. A younger leader who thinks that they are ready before they actually are. And when you do that, and I'm speaking specifically to tomorrow's leader, and you have that anointing on you, you run the risk of outrunning the limits that your character or capacity is ready for. And that story, unfortunately, has been told many, many times. Francis Chan, I was listening to him talk about this very thing several years ago, and he said, you know, I'm actually getting tired of listening to 20-year-olds talk about the next book that they're gonna write. And he said, I wanna give advice to my younger brothers and sisters who are in their 20s, and that is don't write the book until you're 40. Because you think you know in your 20s all kinds of things that with a little bit of time and practice, usually they're things you learned 15 minutes ago, incidentally. But you think this is not to, not to bang on the next generation, but it's simply to say, take the time to actually be prepared to speak on the life lessons that God is actually giving you. Because he is. You just need some time to live it out. And he said, write the book, but write it when you're 40. Don't give it to me when you're 20. If you want a good example of this, I was just talking about, this just came up in a conversation this week. Somebody was talking about Joshua Harris. Anybody remember uh, Joshua Harris? I kissed dating goodbye and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you were in youth ministry in the 1990s, you couldn't miss it because he was this rising, rising star and everybody was kissing dating goodbyes. We're not dating, we're courting. I'm like, okay, good. Um, 
But he became really famous and he became a voice that people were looking to and by the, by the age of 29 years old, he was pastoring a mega church. They, they actually, one person said of him when he was still in his, in his younger 20s, uh, they said, he has become our evangelical wonder boy, Joshua Harris. So he's a church, a pastor of a mega church at 29 years old. He's a rising star in this ministry called Sovereign Grace Ministries. And then there was some trouble in the ministry and then he found himself into some places of, of not really being sure of his calling and convictions. He actually left the ministry in 2015, uh, which is not, you know, people talk about, oh, he left the ministry. Listen, I've always been of the mindset that like there are a lot of ways to be kingdom building people without being vocational ministry people. I don't know if God's gonna have me do this kind of stuff all of my life, some of my life or whatever. And in many ways, it doesn't matter. I wanna be a kingdom building person. So just leaving the ministry is not something that I, I look at and I say, oh, this is like some unforgivable thing. But one of the things that became much worse was that he left his faith in 2019 and he left his wife in the process. So what happened to evangelical wonder boy? who was the voice that everybody wanted to hear from when he was in his 20s. He wasn't ready in his character. He wasn't ready in his capacity to take on the load that people were anxious to give him. And this is really important for tomorrow's leader because some of you have a deep anointing on your life and yet you're in that place that requires incredible patience and it's really hard, especially because you might be dealing with people over you that you're like, I don't think that they're doing a good enough job. You know what I mean? All of those things in you, you're chomping at the bit, you wanna go and yet you hear the voice of the Spirit saying, just be patient in your calling and learn what I wanna teach you oftentimes through a space of brokenness. Rob Reamer, who was just with us uh, last week for the Soul Care Conference, he has this prayer that he has said. He said, Lord, use me, but only to the extent that my character is ready to support. That's a humble prayer. And God has used him in some powerful ways. R.T. Kendall, who I quoted earlier, he said, you know, this whole idea of being yesterday's leader and tomorrow's leader and all that stuff, it almost has nothing to do with age. It's about the ability to, to, to cultivate the conscious presence of God and to listen for his voice. The reason he says it's not about age is this. Saul clearly became yesterday's leader. He was only 40 when that happened. And when you contrast him to people throughout scripture, I love the, the story of Moses because Moses was like tomorrow's leader who basically got his calling when he was 80. So some of you are in that place, you say, I'm too old. I, you know, you're actually not if you're willing and open to see what God has for you. You can be young, but be yesterday's leader. You can be old, but be today's leader or even tomorrow's leader. David was tomorrow's leader, and God took him through the road of brokenness and pain as preparation. So I'll just give you a quick couple bullet points on this. He would have to learn to deal with injustice and unfair attack. That's the road of brokenness. That's the road of pain. That is waking up every day saying, this is unjust. This is wrong. And for whatever reason, God is allowing it persecuted by a madman with power, not good place to be, dodging spears and not retaliating when given the chance. You read through 1 Samuel and into 2 Samuel, you're gonna see this. This is him having to learn to trust God when God's plan is not making any sense and the timeline isn't like adding up. Listen, 
tomorrow's leader, I'm talking to several people that are here, you are going to experience that. The seasons where you say, I think I knew what God was calling me to do, but it hasn't all panned out yet. It is part of the process. It's part of the journey. He would have to say goodbye to some of his closest friends, and while he's being persecuted and and while he's hiding in caves and while he's running for his life, he's also learning to pour out his broken heart into the poetry and into the psalms of pain because that's part of the journey for tomorrow's leader. He's going to have to learn to deal with his own success and his ego. He's going to have to learn to deal with his own failures as well. Have mercy on me, O God. Against you and you only have I sinned. Tomorrow's leader, be careful what you wish for. It's not an easy road. But I would encourage you in these couple of things. Be faithful with the little things that God has given with you. Stamp 1 Peter 5, 6 over your calling and hold it with open hands, giving it back to God even as you receive from him. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand. In due time, he will lift you up. So I think there's a lesson for tomorrow's leader and for today's leader and even for yesterday's leader, if you find yourself in that convicting place of saying, I I might look more like that than today's leader. And there's hope for all three. Here's what I would just say in conclusion. Team, you can come on up to lead us out of here. I wanna just, I wanna leave you with some encouragement. I, I sense that this message sort of feels heavy. You know, you're looking at the failed leadership of Saul, you're looking at the trials of David, uh, it's heavy, this is hard, but I wanna show you why this is, is optimistic. I wanna show you why this is hopeful, and I wanna leave you with that hope in the Lord. We're gonna have a whole lot more to study on the life of David in the coming year, we'll probably get into that, but as we pause on his story for now, let us consider a little bit of our own. This morning I got up early, I usually get up pretty early on Sunday mornings. Uh, a lot of what I do, not exclusively, but a lot of what I do on Sunday mornings is I just, I just spend time praying. Lord, what do you want to do with this message? What do you want to say? Sometimes I still got to move a couple of things around. Something doesn't make sense to me, so it's not going to make sense to you. So I try to fix all that stuff before I get up and preach it. But, but this morning was largely just, okay, Lord, just want to hear from you. Uh, what would you have me share in, in response to this? And the Lord just gave me sort of three things. And I want to just speak to, to each of you, depending on where you find yourself. You don't got to raise a hand or anything like that. Just you, you know maybe where you find yourself today. So the prayer response would be like this. And, le- and let's actually, let's, let's look to the Lord in prayer right now, if you would. Just kind of close your eyes with me. Holy Spirit, give us clarity on how we might respond well to you. In Jesus' name. Yesterday's leader. You don't want to be there, first of all. And yet there's probably some things that you're realizing like, oh, you know, dominated by fear, dealing with jealousy. I'm like, I'm, if I'm not there, I'm on the path to being there, right? So the message is this. Saul was one good repentance away from restoration. And I don't think the kingdom would have been restored to him. That was actually pretty clearly stated. Kingdom's not yours anymore. And yet, like, that's okay. Like, getting your kingdom back is not is not the goal. But a restoration of peace and relational walk with God and the joy of hearing his voice and cultivating that relationship once again, I think that absolutely could have been restored to him. 
And especially for you today. So you're saying, you know, I kind of feel like yesterday's leader, all this. If you are in Christ today, in the new covenant of Christ, everything that we are judged on is what Christ has already done. So in that regard, there's like nothing that keeps us from the beautiful repentance of realigning our heart with Jesus and say, Lord, I'm sorry that I've made it about me and not about you. I'm sorry that I've looked more like yesterday's leader than today's leader, and I joyfully repent of that, and I bow my knee, and I just say, what would you have me do next? And all of a sudden, you're on the track to being today's leader and maybe tomorrow's leader. That might be part of your brokenness that you even need to work through. So don't be hopeless if you feel like yesterday's leader today. That's the first thing that the Holy Spirit put on my heart. The second thing was this. Speak to today's leader. And I am speaking to you as one who is not yet there. I need to say that to you. But would you join the journey of learning to grow, learning to abide, and would you keep special attention in this area of obedience in the little things, all those stuff. You say, well, that's a little thing. Pay special attention this week even to the little things that God would call you to be obedient in and to cultivate the voice of God as you invite him to speak to you. One of the things I've been hearing from the Lord lately, and it's a gentle rebuke, I receive it from him. Aaron, your capacity to hear my voice is not... <laughs> ready for the full level of the anointing that I want to give you. So I know that's part of my assignment. And if you're today's leader, I think it's part of yours as well. Learn to grow. Learn to abide. Keep special attention on obedience, the little things. Cultivate the voice of God and attention to Him. Tomorrow's leader. We got young people in the house. You have a tomorrow's leader anointing on you. We've got old people in the house that have a tomorrow's leader anointing, simply meaning that God's got a new chapter. He's got a new thing that he is uniquely setting you aside to do. I'm excited for what God has for you, but I need you to understand the path of brokenness will make you feel weak. It's hard. It's just, it's, it is a hard calling but it is a necessary part. The path of brokenness will make you feel weak. Here's God's word to you. God looks for broken vessels because in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. And like that invitation can extend to every aspect of your life. In every place that you feel broken, every place that you feel weak, so you have a tomorrow anointing on your life. Tomorrow's leader anointing. The path of brokenness will make you feel weak. God looks for broken vessels because in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. We'll just ask you to receive that. Maybe do a little business right now with the Lord. Maybe he's got a special word for you. You're learning to cultivate his voice. Listen to him. So Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for your examples that we can learn from. We thank you from things in our own life that we can see. God, we desire eagerly to to miss that. We don't want to be on that road to being yesterday's leader. We want to be today's leader, many of us tomorrow's leader, and I pray that you would meet us where we are. Give us clarity for where we are. Show us what you have for us next, and give us courage to follow you in obedience. If you are uh, stirred by that today, you say, yep, the Holy Spirit is uh, speaking to me.
I'm just going to ask you to, to, to do one thing, and that is, would you, just, would you just stand up? Just stand up where you are. We're all going to eventually stand up anyway, but you just say, hey, this is a sign of my saying like, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a tomorrow anointing on me. I see that hand over there too. Just stand up where you are. There's a, there's a return to today's leader anointing on me. Stand up where you are. Maybe there's a repentance to just say, you know, I feel like I've been on the, the wrong path of being yesterday's leader. Stand up where you are. Yeah. It's just, that's your way between you and the Lord to just say, God, I want to go after this with you. Lord, I pray special blessing over each person that's standing up today, that you would even surprise them with the work that you want to do in their heart, in their life, the things that you want to confide in them as you cultivate deeper intimacy. And uh, may God bless you as you continue to follow in the path that he has for you in this coming week.